The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode four of On The List. Today is Saturday, July 28th. My name is Austin Bristow II. I'm your host, joined this evening by Kyle Bishop. Kyle, how you doing, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. So, uh... For those of you who are unfamiliar with our podcast here, each week I will be joined by a different writer from the Pitcher List staff. We'll talk baseball, we'll discuss what they've been writing recently, and we like to do a little mailbag session where we answer your questions. You can send us those questions by email at community at pitcherlist.com, or you can send them directly to myself on Twitter. I am at Bristowski, that is at B-R-I-S-T-O-W-S-K-I. Kyle, you're on Twitter as well, aren't you? What's your handle? Yeah, uh, my handle is Amoral Panic. Amoral Panic. That is an 80 grade Twitter handle right there. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that one. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and uh, get on into it if you're all set. So, yep. All right, cool. So, first thing I like to do, you know, perfect open ended question. Just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself here, man. Okay. Um... So I'm based in uh, Denver now. I've been here for about a year and a half. Uh, originally from Pennsylvania and in the uh, Philly area. So uh, obviously, you know, you know where my uh, where my allegiance lies as far as uh, rooting interests. I'm gonna assume that's gonna be the Philadelphia Phillies there. Yep. Uh, yeah. I um, that's, uh, moved across. Definitely yeah. a bummer on my <laughs> end, as you know, you guys are what three games up on the Braves now. Yeah, but hey, I mean, it's been a uh, it's been a rough decade for both of us for the most part, so it's <laughs> nice to have meaningful baseball again. Absolutely. Well, keep on going. Sure. Um, so that's where I grew up, and then I moved across the uh, across the state to attend the University of Pittsburgh. I stuck around that city for a while, uh, worked for that university for a while, and then I came out here, and now I work for the uh, for the University of Colorado Medical School. Lovely. So, uh, just a few more, you know, 
baseball-centric questions that I like to ask our guests here. So, as far as fantasy baseball goes, how many fantasy leagues do you play in, and what's your favorite type of league to play in, whether it be, you know, points, roto, head-to-head, etc.? I think I'm in eight leagues this year. Um, yeah, yeah, I got to scale that back next uh, <laughs> next season. Got to learn to say no. That's um, most of those are rotisserie leagues, which is my preferred format. Um, yeah, I've only got two that are head to head this year. I think one of which is the staff league for the pitcher list. Yeah, and you're doing uh, you're doing pretty all right in that one. As I checked, you were what eight and seven. Uh, no, no, I was I was four and two, and I think I've won like once in the last like ten weeks or whatever it's been since then. So this has not been a great year. Oh, brutal! My goodness. Look, yeah. Look, look at the uh, team you, there. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Ah, get him next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, I think this up. has probably been my probably my worst year in about a decade or so. <laughs> just not. Uh, it's just one of those one of those Murphy's Law seasons, I guess. Yeah, you'll have those. I know uh, the my favorite uh, trash season or Murphy's Law season, as you put it. A buddy of mine in my home league, he for two years straight, he drafted what looked to be a pretty solid team. And then he had three or four or five players that would go on a DL for the entire season, out for the season, or they would get uh, suspended for PEDs. Like I know he had um, D. Gordon and Starling Marte in both of the years that they got suspended. He got he drafted Schwarber when he was out for the year. Uh, it's he's had some terrible, terrible luck as far as that goes. But now. Um, in our home league, he and I are in first and second place, so it's nice that he, he can actually, you know, have a good season and enjoy himself for once. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in one of my leagues, I think my uh, infield at the end of the draft was uh, Miguel Cabrera, Cano, Justin Turner, uh, Corey Sager, uh, Odor, so yeah, that uh, that was, thought that was going to be a strength, and then, well, you know. Yikes. Baseball gods are not smiling on that one, but hey, you're in eight different leagues. You got to be winning at least one of them, right? I am. I'm about to win, uh, barring cataclysmic system failure. About to win my home league for the eighth year in a row. Um, and that is the only league that I'm doing well in this year. But oof. Well, hey, at least you're keeping up the streak there. Yep. All right, so we covered. Uh, you know, your favorite team is the Phillies, being from the area. Do you have a favorite all-time player? I mean, it's hard not to say Chase Utley. That's fair. Oh, jeez. I, I actually... <laughs> so, I just last week... Uh, it was last week when he announced his retirement, yeah? Um, or two weeks ago, whatever yeah. that was. I got an argument with one of my friends who's a Dodgers fan, um, who's saying, you know, Chase Utley is one of the greatest players that we've had in the last, like, 50 years or something like that and I can appreciate his peak and everything like that um, but I think the combination of him playing against the Braves all those years and um, his uh, taking out his like takeout slide of the Mets infielder whose name is escaping me at the current moment uh, in the playoffs 
the, the combination of that has made me not like Chase Utley. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can appreciate, you know, the grit that he's got, I guess, and uh, how hard he wants to play the game. But I have, I have never been a fan, especially after that slide. I was just like, nope, done. Not a Chase Utley fan. We're done with this. All right, I, I can understand that. That was uh, that was Ruben Te- uh, Ruben Tejada. Yeah, by the way, it was yeah. Um, but I mean. You know, I uh, yeah, it's like he's the guy that you, if he's on a, if he's on team uh, team that you're rooting against, obviously you're not you're gonna hate him. But yeah, you know, so I get that, kind and of I can't that. really defend that. I can't really defend that take slide, but that happened after he left my team, so I don't feel compelled to to, to defend it too hard. Um, and I will say he's um, I actually only own one uh, jersey, and it's not his. Oh well, there you go. So I mean, it's uh, it's Jason Worth's jersey. Jason Worth. All right, that's yeah. uh, that's that's fair. He he had some great years there as well. All right, so let's see here. Okay, so what uh, what do you like to do outside of the baseball realm? Um, so as far as I guess hobbies or interests are concerned, uh, pretty much any form of media, uh, TV, movies, music. Um, I am a self-taught musician, self-taught cook. I have won awards, multiple awards for uh, for cooking, so that's kind of cool. Even though they're not like they're not official like prestigious award. Like I won a chili cook-off, and um, like something else that I can't remember exactly what it was. But um, you know, so not not like a not like a James Beard or anything crazy. Like they don't know me in the culinary world. <laughs> That's still very interesting, and uh, we were talking about that earlier today in our community community Discord channel. If you're interested in getting into that, you can head on over to uh, p- Patreon.com/slash/PitcherList to check that out. But I know the guys over in the in the community channel were very interested in that. So you got some more questions as far as you know cooking goes a little later on. Um, I'd love right. to chat about movies with you here for a bit because. I myself, I, I do try to consider myself a bit of a movie buff. Um, so, tell me, what is your favorite movie? Oh man, that's that's a hard question to answer. Um, I mean, because you got like, you can go with like some of the classics, but it's just like accurate but sort of a boring answer. Sure. Or then you know you can try and call attention to something that's uh, maybe a little less well known that like you're really into. I will say like. If I can narrow it down to like the best movie I've seen in the last few years, um, I'd have to say that would probably be Whiplash. Oh, Whiplash is one of my all-time favorites. I think right now it's sitting at number three or four on my all-time favorites list. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there for me. Like if you're talking like all-time favorites, you know you've got the, the a few of the more obvious answers like Pulp Fiction and Godfather Two and you know Apocalypse Now. Yeah, great classics, obviously. Yeah, I, I I could sit here and just talk movies all day, but I guess you know this is a baseball podcast, so we should probably stick more to that. Um, but yeah, I you I saw this list of stuff that you gave me that you're doing outside of you know the baseball realm, and when you pile that on with everything that you're doing in the baseball realm, you know, writing both for Roto Baller and Pitcher List, 
um, with your actual job as well. I'm sitting here going, oh, man, when does he sleep? When do you have time to, you know, actually live and sleep? Um, I don't sleep enough is, uh, is probably the answer to, to that question. But, um, <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm a very late, like it may not sound like it would have given all the list of stuff that I gave you that I, that I do, I guess, but, uh, I am a pretty lazy person by nature. <laughs> um, I really, I really enjoy my downtime. So I, uh, you know, I try to find as much, uh, as much time as, as possible for that. Well, that's, you wouldn't guess it. I, I've got to bring this up here. So in the like little bio that I asked Kyle to come up with for me. Um, you know, he listed that he's been writing for Rotoballer since 2014. Uh, you host the, an AMA on our fantasy baseball. That's fantastic. I love that. Um, and then you're obviously doing picture lists here. You've got a couple other writing gigs here and there. Uh, but in your hobbies and interests, you list everything from, like you said, the TV and film, self-taught musician, uh, you, the award-winning cook, and then you also said you like to hike, play floor hockey, kayak, and ultimate frisbee. Like my goodness, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> I mean, I haven't um, I haven't done much uh, much kayaking since I moved out here. There's not a whole lot of water in Colorado, um, so I mean, I've you know there are a few reservoirs where you can do that. Um, I don't own my my own kayak though. I haven't gotten around to buying one of those. Um, I didn't have a car until a few months ago, so that was uh, kind of precludes buying your own and then driving out to wherever the uh, reservoirs or lakes are. But uh, so that's on the list of things to purchase once you know got the got the cash. But um, oh yeah, yeah. As far as uh, as far as hiking goes, I mean that's like a every weekend ideally, but it practically every other weekend sort of thing. Um, I did finally get to get a chance to summit my first fourteener this year. And I'll hopefully get a couple more of those before the summer ends. Wow, that's definitely impressive, my friend. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? Why don't we go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about uh, what you're writing for us over here at PitcherList. So if you guys aren't familiar with Kyle's work here, every week he comes out with the hitter list. Obviously the uh, sister to our pitcher list that the site's named for, where you're ranking it's the top 150 hitters right now uh, in redraft leagues. Um, I imagine that's got to be quite the process you're going through. So why don't you why don't you walk us through how that works uh, each week for you there? Um, well, lately it's been me trying to figure out what's going to have the least people yelling at me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I mean it's um it's a, it's it's tough every week um and like most of the time I you know the, the feedback that I get um it's I understand where people are coming from if they have uh, bones to pick with that with my rankings and I, I I don't I don't mind that um but it is um it is tough because especially early on in the year I kept trying to kind of stress this is taking the long view, this is rest of season, this is trying not to react too strongly to what's happened in a month you know, or six weeks. Um, but at a certain point, you do have to kind of start start doing that. And I think one of the questions that we have uh, a little bit later is gonna address uh, that push and pull. But um, as far as the process goes, um, the way we have it set up on the back end makes it a lot, uh, a lot easier. Like I don't have to create that table from scratch every week, which is good. I can just kind of clone what we had. 
sure. the uh, the prior week and make make adjustments from there. So basically, what I'm doing when I am putting that together is looking at uh, looking at recent performance, keeping an eye on injuries, um, and you know just trying to kind of. I'll play with I'll play with the list. It's a simple kind of drag and drop. Um, so you know, just kind of move guys around, and when it gets to the point where it sort of feels right, which is you know a very scientific term, um, <laughs> then you know it's uh, it's good to go. And I sit back and I wait for people to point out where I've made a mistake. Because when you're ranking 150 guys every week, sometimes things things are going to fall through the cracks. Like I might have bumped a guy off because he was going to be out for two months earlier in the year, and then he came back, and I just forgot to add him back on it. Like that happened with uh, with Eric Thames recently. I just completely forgot to add him back. And then somebody helpfully pointed out that I didn't have him on the list and I was like, okay, well that, yeah, I need to fix that next week. Yeah. So for those of you listening who have never gone through and created your own set of rankings, whether it be for the preseason, for drafts and whatnot, whatever the case may be, it is tough. Um, I started making you know my own preseason rankings for drafts and whatnot, um, like from scratch, about three years ago, and I've done it every year since. It's something that I start doing um, around you know December-ish. I'll start you know okay, let's start looking at what everyone did last year, and it takes me. I, I do it nice and slowly, but it does take me literal months, and I'm moving everyone up and down up until I actually draft, but it's. It is so tough to to take every player that could possibly be good and try to determine who's going to be better than who. So I definitely commend you, especially for doing it throughout the season, because you're having to make adjustments week to week on what's going on. So you've got to really keep track of, you know, over... It's really 200-plus players that could be, you know, sneaking into the back end there. So you've got to keep track of what's going on and how that's going to affect your list. And it's, like I said, I commend both you and Nick um, for keeping up with hitter list and pitcher list, uh, you know. Yeah, when, uh, when Nick was here last month for the, uh, for the Fangraphs meetup, he uh, actually admitted to me that my job is harder than his. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least as far as the lists are concerned, because he's... You know, maybe has to go 100 deep with the uh, with the pitchers every week. But um, I mean, maybe he was just trying to flatter me. Oh, I mean, Nick is a man of fantastic pleasantries, um, <laughs> and I mean that in the most genuine of way. I don't mean he's just trying to you know flatter everyone, but he's a he's a lovely gentleman, that Nick Pollock. He is. He's also very tall. I. Living in uh, Illinois, I have never met Nick in person or really any of our writers in person. I'd love to do that sometime if I can, you know, get out to uh, New York where most of them are uh, posted there. But uh, I would, I'd love to meet up with the guys. So we're gonna have to see if we can figure that out. If I'm, if I'm gonna be able to, you know, make the trip out there. I know it's been thrown out there. Maybe getting a meetup going on. We'll have to see what we can do with that. Let's see here. All right, so yeah, so I I'm looking at the list here, and I'm just wanting to you know throw a couple questions your way, make a couple comments. Um, I'll try not to yell at you, as you say, because um, I don't I don't I'm looking through it and I don't see anything that's you know all that 
um, ridiculous. I think you're doing a really solid job, especially considering, you know, how difficult it can be. Um, yeah, I think I'm actually this week. You look, it seems like it's like the fewest comments in a while, which could either be a good thing in that like people are not finding much to to nitpick, or a bad thing in that they've just given up. <laughs> and stop trying to convince me or just stop reading altogether which I hope is not the case but. Oh, I'm sure it's not I know we are getting to that point in the season where you know some team some people are getting to the point where they're you know well I'm, I'm not going to make the playoffs this year so I'm just going to kind of you know mail it in but I know that uh, for those of us who are still in the hunt uh, we do appreciate all the work so I'm going to go ahead and jump to one of our listener questions because it's very pertinent to the hitter list uh, itself. Uh, Dan Berman here, one of our uh, Discord community members, wants to know how it is that you can have Joey Votto as the th- third best Reds hitter. You have him ranked 37 overall. Uh, Scooter Jeanette is at 33, and then you've got. Uh, Oh, man, I just lost him. Eugenio Suarez, there he is, a 27. So not really too far apart there, but Vado is a third of the three. So tell us a little bit about your thought process on that one. Um, well, that was actually a very recent change. I think it was either this past week or the week prior that I finally dropped Vado from where he was. Um, took me a while to uh, come around on that, but... It's um, and it's like we talked about earlier. It's that push and pull between track record and current results. And I mean, if Votto wakes up over the last couple of months of the season, he's going to shoot right back up the list because you know he's proven over the last decade plus that he's one of the better hitters in baseball. But this year, it just hasn't been there. He's not even cracked double digits and home runs yet. Um, and I think there's an injury to blame here. He's been dealing with a uh, with a back issue for most of the year, if I remember correctly, and that seems to be clearly sapping his power a little bit. He's also only hitting around 280 when we're used to seeing him hit well over 300, which, I mean, 280 is fine, especially in the current environment, but, you know, it was getting harder and harder each week given the results that we've seen so far to justify keeping him, you know, in the top 20 where, where I had him for most of the season. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh... I don't own Vado anywhere this year, um, so I haven't kept up with his production overall. But now that I'm looking at it here, yeah, I I don't blame you for moving him down that far, especially when you know obviously he's not going to steal any bases. He has one stolen base attempt this year. He made it, I guess, so that's good. But he's not stealing bases. He's only hit, like you said, the nine home runs, and he's not really even hitting for a superb average like we usually see. He's still taking his walks and everything. Like, there's really not much in his profile that would suggest that he's much of a different hitter. It's just the results have not been there. And meanwhile, uh, Scooter Jeanette has kept up with everything he started to do the second half of last year. And all of a sudden, Eugenio Suarez is looking like an MVP candidate. Yeah, I mean... Those guys have been doing it all year long, and at a certain point, you kind of have to, you know, acknowledge that. And you know, I've been a fan of Suarez's for a while, um, so I, you know, I'm happy to see him uh, him succeeding even beyond what I expected this year. Um, Scooter, I mean, I can't say that I saw this coming. Like, I 
didn't feel like last year was I wouldn't I was going to say it was you know a, a huge fluke. There were things in his profile that were encouraging, but I just I don't think anybody really saw him taking this kind of leap. But I mean, he has, and at this point, you have to give him credit for that. Absolutely, I uh, in my own home league. Um, like I said, I'm sitting at first right now, and I'm having one of the best seasons I've ever had in fantasy baseball um, because I was able to grab Scooter Jeanette late in the draft, and I think I picked up Eugenio Suarez off waivers. It's, a, it's only a 10-team league, and was pretty shallow rosters, but still, um, the I drafted Adrian Beltre to be my third baseman in that league. So Suarez has been a godsend for me because um, I, I just needed him to, you know, fill in at the best, and he has well surpassed those expectations. Yeah, absolutely. So that's been absolutely fantastic. So I'm looking at this, and otherwise, I think it's really reasonable. Um, I... I am a bit disappointed to see Freddie Freeman slip two spots this past week, but you know, can't blame you for putting uh, uh, Lindor above him there. You you just put Aaron Judge above him. Obviously, that's going to have to change now that he's out for a little bit. Right, right. That that happened uh, the night I think that the like on Wednesday night I think was the injury. Lovely. Don't you love that? You you post something and then all of a sudden something happens immediately after to where it's just, well, well, let's invalidate what I just said there. <laughs> yeah, um, I think actually um, one of my um, one of my colleagues at uh, Rotoballer also writes for Rotographs, uh, Brad Johnson, if you're uh, familiar with his work, he tweeted something to that effect recently. I was just saying, you know, I love when something happens literally five minutes after I finish writing something and I gotta go back and edit it. Like, the struggle is definitely real. Um, and this has happened to me a couple of times this year with the list. Uh, somebody points out, oh, hey, well, this guy just got hurt, or this, you know, got this guy got called up, or whatever. It's like I wrote this last night, and I, like I wanted to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, exactly. can't always stay up to you know watch every um, every. I'm like I am gonna miss things sometimes, um, but you know I do appreciate the uh, the commentary kind of pointing those things out to me because. You know, there are times when I'm just completely, it's not, you know, that it happened in between when I wrote this and when it published, it's sometimes I just completely miss something. Yeah. And one of the more interesting things that I like to look at, um, both with Pitcher List and Hitter List, you and Nick both list um, where a guy was last week, where his best position has been on the list, and where his worst position has been. So I, lo I really like to see... You know, the guys who were at one point way down on the list and now are sitting really high. Like right now, uh, you have Javi Baez at 21 overall, and his lowest position was 133. I assume that was towards the beginning of the year because he's been ridiculous all year long. Uh, similarly, um, Trevor Story was down at 102 at one point. Eugenio Suarez at 121, or even Scooter Jeanette, like we just talked about, Jesus Aguilar even. So it's just interesting to see, you know, where our perception was towards the beginning of the season and where it has had to been adjusted because they've shown us what they can do. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing too, like you mentioned, uh, you know, you can see the best and the worst place on the list, and that doesn't inc that doesn't indicate where whether the guy opened the year on the list. Like a lot of these guys that, uh, 
Maybe not necessarily the names that you just mentioned. I know uh, Aguilar was obviously nowhere near the top 150 at the start of the year. Um, like Juan Soto is 44 now. Like has the lowest is 132 because that's where he debuted on the list. But obviously he didn't start on the list at all. So there are a handful of guys who are outside the one top 150 altogether who just skyrocket based on the results. And it's it, it's funny to me when you, you know, look back over the whole picture of the season, you do have these big discrepancies, but I think one of the more common complaints I got early in the season at least was that I was being too conservative and not uh, and not reacting quickly enough to what's what was happening, which in some cases is accurate um, as it turns out. But I think that um, you know having those columns there sort of bears out that, I mean, if a guy, if he performs above expectations or below, you know, eventually that's going to be reflected in the rankings here. Yeah, and I think um, it's, there's a really fine line when you're doing rankings and adjusting them in season. There's a fine line between, you know, overreacting when a guy comes up all of a sudden and is just amazing out of the gate like Soto has been and also making sure that you know what he's done is properly you know shown on the list um i know that in like fantasy football for example you kind of have to overreact in that one because the season's so much shorter um and so much happens so guys are getting injured all the time that you have to kind of adjust on the fly and take more risks with fantasy baseball we've got such a long season you know 20 six weeks usually is about how long our fantasy baseball season is and so we can kind of take more time to you know really look at okay what's this guy doing what are the underlying numbers say does it look legit things like that and how is that going to affect you know the rest of the season from this point forward i think that's one of the great things about fantasy baseball it's a little more uh i guess i guess you could say it's a little more cerebral uh you get to you know think about it more there's more of a process in that in that sense yeah, I mean, I mentioned Roto is my favorite format, and you kind of just outlined why. I would much rather reward the person who, you know, was the, had the best team over the long haul all six months of the season rather than, you know, somebody who might have just gotten hot in the last month of the year. And I realize there are drawbacks to the Roto format. You know, you have people checking out uh, pretty early on in the year if they fall out of it, especially if it's, uh, you know, it's, if it's a redraft league and not a keeper, you know, where they they can at least make trades, to, you know, with future years in mind. Um, so that's obviously, you know, there's no perfect fantasy format, but I think Roto has the fewest drawbacks of, you know, between, between you know, that or head-to-head, which I realize is uh, probably still more popular. I mean, I know I personally do prefer head-to-head. I really love the... Uh... You know, the dramatics of like a Sunday comeback or things like that, and just the the strategy of having to try to throw everything you've got into one week and then reset and do it again the next week. You know, with streaming and everything else like that, uh, I do really enjoy head to head, and I think it does keep people a bit more engaged because you know you can play for the week and you don't have to you know keep track of the grind the entire season long, uh, things like that. I so. I totally understand where people wouldn't prefer head-to-head because, you know, especially in the playoffs, it it can be almost a coin flip as to who's going to actually win the league. Um, But I personally have always really enjoyed it, and that's mostly what I play is head-to-head. I'm not actually in any Roto Leagues this year. I've tried it before, and it's really just not my cup of tea. Um, I I, I appreciate all the reasons that you gave for why people like it, and I, I totally respect that. But, you know, 
I'm just one of those people where it's not for me. No, and that's and yeah, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it's a game, and it's just you know whatever you like best and whatever you enjoy the most, and you know what leads to you having the most fun. That's great. As long as we, you know. Are not talking about daily versus weekly leagues because I that's the hill I will die on. Like you play roto, play head to head, whatever, but like the weekly leagues kill me. Oh man, see, I'm in. I can't. I I can't do it. Leagues, I two of them are weekly, and only the pitcher list league that I'm playing is daily. Um, I thing is with daily, you've got to be on top of your stuff, man, because someone in your league is going to be on top of it and if you're not you're going to fall behind immediately so the weekly is just a bit more lax and you it's a bit more laid back um which in my home league that's what we like so that's why we have the weekly um the other one my is my dynasty league and it's a bit uh it's it's got the weekly structure because of the a very unique way that we pick up players uh based on a weekly waiver claim but it's a uh, I, I definitely understand, and playing in the Pitchless League this year in those weekly changes, being able to adjust the lineup uh, whenever some guy is out for the day, or uh, you want to get all of your starters in, even if you know, even if they're not in at the beginning of the week or whatever. Um, I totally understand uh, the draw in that. I've really enjoyed actually the daily this year, so I'm gonna have to consider that going forward. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, too much of it comes down to, like, in a weekly league, um, you know, I get a lot of questions, because my AMA is on Mondays, I get a lot of questions to that effect, like, hey, should I start this guy or this guy? Because, you know, this, you know, this, uh, this player is, um, you know, dealing with an injury, and there's not really any news about it, and I don't know if he's going to play or not, and I'm just like, I don't really know either, and that's what kind of bothers me about it, is just that, like, at a certain point, it's guesswork. I mean... If you really boil it down, this is the entire game is is uh, guesswork. Like you know, I and I try to explain that to people too. Like I hate the term expert because I feel like it confers on me you know more credentials or kind of ability than I really have. I, I would argue that my guesses are more educated than most, but they're still guesses at the end of the day. Like there's still gonna be guys who come out of nowhere who completely surprise me, and you know guys who fall flat on their face who I thought would have been great, just like anybody else. Like I'm having a pretty terrible year by any uh any stretch of the you know any measurement you uh you care to use as far as my own personal performance but i mean sometimes that happens yeah i know that uh with me getting on with pitcherless this year um at at, at that point i kind of you know i had expectations in my home league i think I'll, i got a during the draft i got a lot of razzing from the from my friends that were saying well you're the only guy who's like actually a writer about this now so if you don't win the league i guess we're just better than you and i'm like well first off yes that's exactly what that means if you if if you beat me you are better than me um but you know i guess i'm coming through showing off what i got because i am winning that league so <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it is a lot of it is a lot of pressure. You're right. Once you know, people realize that like you get paid, or you know, somebody's giving you a platform to write about this stuff, they sort of expect you to you know be at this higher level of ability, and it doesn't always pan out that way. Exactly. That's why I play in the pitcherless league with you know, it's it's kind of you know level terms. All all of us are you know 
writing for picture lists. So it's really fun to compete with those guys to figure out kind of, you know, who is the best of the best, or at least who's making the best guesses. All right, so I do want to keep moving yeah, here. Yeah, so I was having fun until my, uh, until my team fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> yup, I know that feeling. And I do want to apologize. I think we might have a little bit of lag going on, so if, if uh, I'm jumping on your, you or you're jumping on me a little bit, uh, that's going to have to be something we're going to work with. But, but I don't think it's been too bad so far, so if that's going to be a thing, uh, I apologize to you and our listeners. I do want to keep moving here um, because we've got a lovely segment that I'm really excited about. Um, because you're the hitterless guy, I want to talk hitters. Um, and so we're going to do a little bit of uh, kind of plant your flag here. Uh, Kyle and I have each picked a one player each to represent one guy we want to buy for the remainder of the season, one guy we want to sell, and one guy we want to hold on to. So. Some somebody we think you know will get even better. Someone we think has maybe a bit overperformed, and someone who we think is totally legit. So, Kyle, you're going to lead off here with your first guy. Who are you, who are you buying for the remainder of the season? Um. So here I went with uh, went with Carlos Santana. Um, he has uh, historically been a second half guy. Um, you know, you have to take the the splits with a grain of salt, but I think it's been fairly consistent over his career that he's been better as the year's gone on, so I'm willing to trust that a little bit more than I might for somebody else without that kind of track record. But the main thing is, I mean, the counting stats have still been there, the power, you know, has been there, the run production in the uh, top half of the Phillies lineup has been fine, you know, it's been pretty much in line with his previous performance. Um, but then you've got the uh, the batted ball luck has not been on his side this year. And he typically runs pretty low abips, but he's at 211 this year, which is, you know, dozens of points below his uh, his career mark. And there's not really anything in his peripherals that support that. They're all kind of pretty steady, if not better than in years past, you know, when you look at his stat cast data. So I see better days ahead for him. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sitting here trying to come up with a – Homer joke, but I mean everything he's saying makes sense. I, I can't disagree with you. <laughs> See, my guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, go ahead. You know, I can't pretend that that doesn't play. That might not play some minor factor, whether or not I'm consciously aware of it. But he, he's just one guy. I don't disagree with uh, with the guy you're about to talk about either, actually. Oh yeah, this is my guy. I went with here is Matt Olson. He is the one guy that I own in all three of my leagues. I love Matt Olson. Um, right now, he's he's only hitting 231, but he does have 21 home runs already, and I think he could be even better going forward. Because um, right now, he is uh, his hard hit rate is fourth in the majors uh, at, let's see, I just had it, sorry, at 49.3%, so he's hitting the crap out of the ball, and um, he's only got a 268 BABIP, and with his, you know, hard hit rate, with as much as he's, uh, you know, hitting line drives, he's still got a 20% line drive rate, so really I think his BABIP should be higher than that based on his batted ball profile, so I think his average could come up. Um, but I think we could even see more home runs from him as well. His homer to fly ball rate is only sitting at 17.5%. Um, and with him hitting, you know, as hard as he is, and he's hitting the fly balls at a 44% rate, really, he should have them 
Soren out of the ballpark more often than he is. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with, uh, with the points you just made there. Um, I mean, Matt, you know, Matt Olson, I, think, I don't think anybody could realistically have expected him to repeat what he did last year. He had uh, 26 home runs and two doubles. Like, pretty clear that a few of those, you know, were just hopping over the fence that we're probably going to end up staying in the yard this uh, this time around, you know, going forward in the future. He was not going to keep running a homer fly ball rate well above 30%, but 17.5 is pretty low for the power that we've, you know, that we know he has. So I can definitely see, uh, you know, him getting on a, uh, getting on a, a little bit better of a pace going forward. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to hit you with my, uh, with my cell here. We're going to do a back and forth. So my sell guy that I want to go with is actually Juan Soto. I know everyone loves him. He's been—I know he's been our fantasy baseball's darling this year, um, and I can't blame him. I own him in my home league, and I'm loving the production he's giving me. But I'm just not sure that it's gonna keep up, at least at this pace. He's obviously very, very good. I just don't know that he's a superstar at age 19. Because he is sporting a 26.7% homer to fly ball rate. And there's just really not anything in his batted ball profile that tells me that that's totally legit. Um, he's hitting fly balls at a 29% rate. He's, his hard hit rate is at 37%. So those are both good, but they're not like amazing. That's not like a, like, it's not a Matt Olson style of uh, home run hitter there. Um... And I'm just not sure that, you know, everything is going to keep going at the rate that it is. I love the production. I think he he's definitely at least, uh, you know, 280, 290 hitter. Obviously, he's hitting 315 right now, so that could come down a little bit. But he, his walk rate is amazing. Uh, he's really not striking out that much. So while I'm... I don't want to say that Matt... That, sorry. I don't want to say that Juan Soto is going to be bad going forward. But I just want people to, you know, temper their expectations a little bit. And if you can sell him and someone thinks that this is the real him and this is going to keep up throughout the whole season, you might be able to get some, like, great top 30 uh, hitter or even a great pitcher um, instead. So I, th I, I would definitely look into that if that was me. You're gonna get uh, you might get some strongly worded uh, feedback on that. <laughs> Everybody loves Soto, like you said, um, but I I, I don't uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you here either. Um, I will point out a couple of things that um, I don't think you mentioned. Um, it's one of the it's a double edged sword because it's one of the reasons people are so wild about him is that he's 19 years old and he's doing this. He had no. He, he had no experience above A ball before this season. He spent eight games at double A before coming to the majors and doing this. So, you know, everybody's obviously excited about that. And obviously, you know, if you're in a format that extends beyond this season, anything that's not a redraft league, obviously you want to hold on to him. But he is 19. He we have not seen him go through the grind of an, a full season. Like he does not really even have that much experience in the majors. I think if you add the plate appearances he's had, like it's it's fewer than a, it's you know than you'd get a, in a full major league season, even even over the course of you know a couple of years. So we don't know if he's gonna he might hit a wall. Um, you know that's a possibility that you have to uh, take into account. And then I saw some. Uh, 
some interesting numbers uh, float through my Twitter feed this morning. Uh, he's killing fastballs, but he's been pretty vulnerable to off-speed and breaking stuff, and you have to think that eventually pitchers are going to start challenging him with uh, with those pitches and stop you know leaving fastballs over the plate for him to hammer. Yeah. So I think the league has yet has yet to adjust to him, and I think there are some endurance concerns that could lead to his uh, production falling off a little bit in the second half. And I mean, it's you know we've seen plenty of hitters dominate for a couple of months at a time, and this is you know when they do it immediately and at such a young age, there's this temptation to assume that things are just going to continue as they have, and that's not always the case. Yeah, because the the league does adjust uh, with how great scouting is nowadays eventually we're going to figure out what your weaknesses are because no one is perfect you you've got to have weaknesses and like you said if he's if he's more susceptible to breaking balls they're going to figure that out and they're going to start throwing him more breaking balls it's it never happens where you come up you're amazing and you're amazing forever you've there's always going to be an adjustment period where you've got the league is going to make you do something different you've got to learn how to adjust and you know what he might be the kind of player that's able to do that but i'm just i'm not again i'm not saying that he's going to be bad or anything i think he's very very good very talented player i'm i just think that right now might be the peak of his value and now might be the time to sell All right, so if you want to go ahead and give us your guy that you want to sell here, your hitter to sell for the remainder of the season. Sure. Um, so I went with uh, went with Eddie Rosario, and this one actually hurts me a little bit um, because I did not cash in on the breakout last year because he's one of those guys. Like I, I have a few of these guys every year that I'm like I'm a year too early on. Like, I was buying shares of him a bunch um, coming into 2016, and that obviously did not work out very well. Um, but I liked what I had seen from him, you know, as a rookie. And then, obviously, he blew up last year and has you know, taken it to another level this season. But if, you know, the reason he's my sell is you look at the you look at his batted ball data and his peripherals, they have not really changed significantly other than the launch angle since uh, since last season and uh, he's got a uh, weighted on base average that's about 40 points above what he would be expected to do based on his uh, based on his stat cast numbers so I think he is playing a little bit over his head um, I think you've got to worry about the twins selling off some assets and maybe making that lineup weaker which would impact his run production and uh, he's also only hit one home run uh, so far in July so the power has already started to taper off a bit yeah I I totally agree with you here. I think Rosario, um, I, th- I think he's, you know, he's very good. He's a great contact hitter and everything. Uh, I- I've always been a bit questioned the power a little bit. Um, I also have been slow to come around on him. I didn't get any shares of him last year or this year. But uh, obviously he's had great success this year, but the Twins have not. And they've already traded away Eduardo Escobar. So I'm wondering if even he might be on the block. Um and if he's not, who else around him is going to be sold? Because Escobar is already a pretty solid blow to their lineup, even with um, Miguel Sano coming back. I would argue that Escobar is probably better than Sano. So I'm just not sure, you know, what his counting stats are going to be like for the remainder of the season if, you know, the rest of his team is sold off. 
Yeah, I, uh, I'd be surprised if they moved on from Rosario just because he's got a couple more years of control and he's still only 26. But, um, you know, they already traded Escobar, Escobar like you said. Uh, Dozier's probably next out the door. Um, you know, that, and beyond that, I don't know. They don't really have too many uh, too many other guys I'm that excited about. I guess, you know, Max Kepler's okay. Um, so, no, if you can get something from him, um, you know, who knows about Buxton at this point. Oh. But, uh, yeah, they, they don't have a whole lot of great pieces in that lineup right now. You know, it was just him, Escobar, and Dozier, and he might be the only one of them still in the Twin Cities in a couple of days. So, Yeah, totally agree with you there. I, I would love to go on a tangent about Byron Buxton and how much his struggles break my heart, but we, we must move on. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, I think uh, the fantasy analyst community has sort of beaten Buxton to death at this point, so that's probably a good idea. I... I had such high hopes. We'll keep moving. Uh, we all did. Um, so my uh, my hold would be uh, Jesus Aguilar, um, a guy I was a little slow to come around on, um, more so for the playing time concerns than anything else, because you know he had the uh, roster crunch for the Brewers at the uh, start of the year. It was uh, he looked absolutely buried on their depth chart. Like it was. We're trying to fi- we were trying to figure out who was going to play between you know, Ryan Braun, uh, Domingo Santana, and Eric Thames, or Eric Thames rather. And then Thames got hurt. Uh, Santana was terrible. Got demoted to the minors. Uh, Braun's been you know on and off the disabled list most of the year, like usual, and has not been performing that well when he's been healthy. So Aguilar got his shot, and he's run with it. And uh, if you look at his numbers since the start of last season. He's finally at the point where it's basically, uh, you know, it's a close to 650 plate appearances, which is roughly what you'd get over a full season. And then his numbers, you know, he's hitting in the mid 270s. He's scored 90 runs, 40 home runs, over 120 RBIs. So, like, dude is legit. At, the, at this point, if you don't believe in him, you're just not, you're ignoring a lot of evidence that's staring you in the face. His performance this year is totally backed up by the stat cast data. Like, he's for real. And they're, they're, I don't really know what else to say on that point. Yeah, I mean, I remember last year, um, someone added him in our 20-team dynasty uh, after Thames was hurt last year, because I remember he got a few at-bats, and everyone always said, oh, he's got huge raw power, but he's, his, uh, his plate approach is not great. Boy, did he turn that around this year. Uh, what, what, every opportunity he's had, what, if he's given... If he's been getting the opportunity, he's made the most of it. And holy crap, he is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if the, the only thing that you could say, I think, uh, as a detriment to him, you know, if you're trying to make a case, is that we haven't seen him have a full season, full continuous season of plate appearances yet. But, I mean, that's that's a pretty small nick to pick, I think. I totally agree. He's another one that I've got on that uh, on my home league there that has been pushing me to success. So, thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, my guy, you, Aguilar, was actually my second choice. Um, I got to pick before you did, and I'm gonna go with Eugenio Suarez. This guy has taken a stud turn, and I think it's totally legit. Uh, he is. If you look at the leaderboard for hard hit rate, you will find him right at the top. He is hitting, uh, his hard hit rate is at 53%. Soft hit rate at only 9%. Like, oh my goodness, dude. He is just hitting the absolute crap out of the ball. All of his batted ball data is backing up everything that he's doing. He is 
I, I think he is one of the best hitters in baseball right now. And I'm legitimately, I don't know where to look for a weakness for him. Like, I'm not sure what, where to go that would say, oh, this isn't legit. I think everything he's doing is what he should be doing. Yeah, I mean, things have not gone well for the Reds in recent years, but you have to imagine they're pretty feeling pretty good about that extension they signed him to. Um, it just kicked in this year. It's gonna, he's going to be woefully underpaid if this is anything close to what he produces going forward, and I don't see no reason why it wouldn't be. Um, he was actually he would he would have been my guy if you had not already claimed him. So uh, we were definitely on the same page here. Uh, you know, everything that you said is 100% accurate. Um, He's another guy that I unfortunately was a little bit early on, but I did uh, I did include him in my bold predictions for pitcher list this year that he was going to be a top 10 third baseman, which in hindsight doesn't sound bold at all given how well he's performed. But you have to realize coming into the coming into the year, people didn't know who he was. No, he was going. He was going yeah, um, like uh, he you know even last year I don't think people realized that he outproduced uh, Kyle Sager, who was going you know 70 picks or 75 picks earlier on average in drafts this year. And he was pretty much, you know, he was more or less equal to Jake Lamb, who was going several rounds earlier as well. He was definitely a guy I was, you know, targeting late in as many drafts as possible, um, especially after hearing he was going to be hitting cleanup for the uh, for the Reds at the start of the year. Um, so, you know, that was going to do wonders for his, uh, his run production. And as deep as third base was this season, I had high hopes for him, and he's definitely delivered. Yeah, he's been fantastic. There's really not much more that we can say it's just everything he's doing seems totally legit um you know his yeah uh, this is actually base. go ahead oh this is uh, actually one of my favorite uh, favorite stats in uh, in baseball since he like coming like over the past three years uh, not including this season like but since coming to cincinnati he had like tr- he had tripled his walk rate like, like who does that exactly i mean he he's made the necessary adjustments to basically be a stud hitter like i think he's probably gonna go in maybe the third round second or third round of drafts next year if he keeps this up for the remainder of the season and i again i see no reason why he shouldn't and i had forgotten about this until just now in fact he broke his hand earlier this year it was either the hand or the wrist but you know those injuries are really rough on hitters and he came back he came back way quicker than anybody expected he didn't miss a beat like yeah. he just went right back to raking, and he has not stopped. It's, it's been a lot of fun watching the breakout. I, I, you mentioned your bold predictions. I actually had a bold prediction as well concerning the Reds hitters. I said that Jesse Winker was going to be the Reds' second best hitter this year, and boy, I he he's been good. Now he's obviously out for the year, so I'm now I'm definitely not going to be right. I said that uh, you know. Votto was going to be the best, and he was going to be the second best. That's my bold prediction there. Votto's not even going to be the best hitter. He's not even going to be the second best hitter at this rate because, uh, obviously, Suarez is legitimately contending for the NL MVP at this point. And Jeanette's kept up his streak. Votto's been good. Um, But I think I I, I looked at it the other day because I was checking it out. at the all-star break all of my bold predictions seeing where i was at and uh i think at that point winker was the like uh sixth best reds hitter or something like that so unfortunately that one's not going to be coming true yeah that's a shame about uh, about him getting hurt because that was looking like that might be a possibility for you oh he was 
he he started out with a rough beginning, but he was he's really come around as of late, and I still have high hopes for him uh, for next season and going forward. So if you guys are in any dynasty or keeper leagues, that would be a guy I would target, especially in on base percentage leagues, because he's oh, got yeah. such great play discipline. Absolutely, yeah. The uh, the play approach is great. He makes a lot of contact. Um, power's always been the issue for him, but lucky for you know, him and anybody who uh, has you know, has him in a long-term league, he plays in a park that is pretty friendly to power, so that might help mitigate that a little bit. And he's still fairly young. You know, there could be, still be some pop there that he's yet to tap into. Absolutely. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I jokingly like to refer to Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati as Coors Light. <laughs> yeah, um, it's other than Coors, I think it's probably the friendliest park um, you know since it opened. I agree. All right, so there you go. So a little recap for you. Um, the guys we are buying are Carlos Santana and Matt Olson. We're selling on Eddie Rosario and Juan Soto, and we think Jesus Aguilar and Eugenio Suarez are both totally legit. Hold on to them if you've got them, or if you can, even buy high. So. I love that segment. That was a lot of fun. Um, let's go ahead and get on into our questions. So, like I said at the beginning of the pod, we really want to make want to make this um, very listener friendly. We want to answer your guys' questions. So, if you want to send them into us, you can email them to community at pitcherlist.com, or you can tweet them directly to me at Bristowski. We'd be happy to grade your trades, offer analysis on any player you've been wondering about. Or answer any number of other inquiries. Maybe you, uh, maybe you have a specific question for my guest of the week, and you want to know what he thinks. Well, let us know. So we do. Most of these here are going to be some more, uh, some fun questions, kind of less baseball related, um, and they are f- mostly from our community channel, our Discord channel. So let's go ahead and uh, get on into them. Avery Meyer wants to know what you consider to be the greatest TV show of all time and he wants he follows that up with and why do you think it's the leftovers <laughs> um, well let me say uh, before we get started and diving into the, the uh, answers I love all of these questions uh, for various reasons that we'll get into when I uh, address them so great job guys and um, like Austin said if you have uh, questions you know for future guests on the plot, please please keep uh, sending them in and please keep them at this high quality level oh, yeah. um, this is this is my favorite part of the pod honestly I, I love getting to know all all the guys and everything um, but answering these kind of fun questions is one of the best parts of this gig for me yep so Avery's question was greatest TV show of all time um, I am not going to go with The Leftovers. I did uh, finally get around to checking that out. I think it was last year um, I, when I ran through the uh, three seasons. That is a very good show, um, but it's not the greatest for me. And I'm I'm going to have to go like I'm going to have to go with Breaking Bad here. And I'm going like I'm going out. I'm like most people would say The Wire, and The Wire is definitely number two for me. But um, you know. I never, I could like appreciate how great The Wire is on so many different levels, but at the end of the day, I felt like Breaking Bad was great on a lot of those levels as well, um, even if not as great. But the difference was, I was never as hyped for an episode of The Wire as I was for Breaking Bad. Like it just managed to be, you know, check all the boxes that I want, you know, in a show like strong, strong writing and great performances, and you know, the cinematography was amazing. 
but it was more so like they just managed to tap into that like visceral sort of primal adrenaline that you know you would be legit excited to sit in front of the TV every week. I can get behind that. Um, so I know I said I'm a big movie guy. I gotta admit, TV has never really been my thing. Um, I am so so behind on so many different shows that I know I should watch because I like to keep up with you know pop culture and everything. I have not seen all of Breaking Bad. I've seen the first season, and it's it's good. I don't love it. Um, which I know is heresy to so many different listeners. I'm going to get some hate mail. I'm, I don't like Juan Soto. No, no, no. I, 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 will, I will say this. The first season is the weakest. Um, it's, okay. only, it's only seven episodes. I was shortened by the writer's strike. Um, right. Which actually, I won't spoil anything for you, but ended up resulting in some, uh, some writing decisions that I think benefited the show in the long run. They had to change plans on the fly when, that, when the strike interfered with that. But it's, um, it was clear the show did not really know what it wanted to be yet. Um, but it definitely figures those things out from uh, season two onward, and by the end of it, uh, we'll put that up against any other show that's ever aired. All right, I I, I definitely will get around to it because, like I said, I want to I want to watch all these things. I love watching good movies, good television, um, so I'm definitely gonna get around to it. Um, I have not seen all of the leftovers either. Again, I watched season one, and I, it was good. Season one was very good, but it's so heavy. It's hard to binge watch for me. Like it's hard to just sit down and watch multiple episodes at a time. Um, and also pretty long for uh, for the leftovers. So that that's a hard one to just get all through all of it. I'm gonna get through it. I, I will at some point. I'm no, um, peak TV is a, is a very real, very serious thing. Like I am a self-professed junkie, and there's still a backlog of stuff that I have not gotten to or have only crossed off my list recently. Like I, the most recent thing I've been watched was I think uh, Justified, which ended three years ago, and I've never seen an episode before I started watching it uh, earlier this. Uh, I think that was like last month or the month before. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so there is a lot of good TV out there. I would encourage you to get into it. I would say it's better than movies at the moment um and who knows how long that's going to last but um you know i like the, i had a lot of difficulty answering this question i would like actually uh, to stump for a show that is not the greatest of all time but is a, probably my favorite comedy and i don't think a lot of people have heard about it so i want to evangelize to our our listeners <laughs> um and it's uh, it's called Review. It was on Comedy Central for a couple of years. Uh, it has like three seasons, 20 episodes. They're all 20 minutes long, so it's a pretty short time investment for you. And if you get to the end of the third episode and you don't like it, then it's not for you and you can just give up. But that is the I would encourage you to at least watch the first couple episodes, especially that third one, and then make your mind up from there. But that, to me, is the best comedy that's that's ever been on TV and that is not the answer to that question most people would have. Okay. I will have to look into that. I've not actually heard that one. See, if I were to answer what you consider to be the greatest TV show of all time, this is, this might surprise some people, but my, I don't, I don't know that it's like, you know, made accomplishments, it's worthy of awards and things like that, but my all-time favorite easily is Community. I love Community. Like I will just sit down and rewatch that over and over, and it never ceases to entertain me. I always catch new things. The writing in that is so fantastic. Dan Harmon's a genius, um, and I just I love um, 
all the acting and everything in it. Community is by far my favorite. Again, I don't know that it's like award worthy. It's like the best show ever, but it is my favorite show. I think there are some people who would uh, who would agree with you, um, and that is actually probably the most glaring uh, hole in my uh, viewing history is that I've never actually seen Community, uh, but I will. You know, it is um, it is on the list, and um, I've heard a lot of great things about it. So um, I look for I look forward to watching it. Man, I you know I I want to say how how could you not do that? But I had I had only seen it you know couple years back and i just immediately fell in love with it and of course there's so many things that i haven't seen i have no room to talk i i haven't seen parks and rec or or 30 rock i i'm trying to i'm on a schedule right now where i'll watch a sitcom all the way through and then i'll watch like a dramatic show all the way through so i'm trying to you know go back and forth so that i can make my way through all this fantastic television that we do have right now Mm. All right, well, I love that discussion. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, Avery. That was, yeah. that was a lot of fun. So this next one, I don't know. Uh, it's from Josh Botello. And Josh, I love you, but you've got some, you always have the weirdest questions for us. Uh, so he, <laughs> Josh wants to know, how do you feel about ketchup? Um, I really, I love, I love the timing of this question because actually there was a vigorous debate yesterday in the uh, our Slack channel at work. Good. Um, because one of the, like everybody uh, in our suite shares offices if they're not in a queue. Um, so it was like so you know somebody sent like urgent message from the back office because that's where they are in the uh, in the suite, and they were talking about. Um, whether or not it was acceptable to, like, which condiments it was acceptable to put on a turkey sandwich because of what the other person in the office had done. And, uh, you know, so on the list was ketchup, and we ended up getting, we got very very sidetracked very quickly, and we ended up in the eternal, you know, what constitutes a sandwich debate. And uh, we, I think we're I think we're all uh, challenging each everybody to a sandwich off uh, at the end, like, next week. But um, yeah, we're very, very productive in the um, in that office, as you can tell. But um, as far as how I feel about ketchup, a point I made yesterday and that I'll make here is that it is a condiment that has its uses. Um, I feel like they're pretty limited. It's not something I use very often myself, um, just because you know I don't think it adds that much to most things. Like I think French fries is the big one, although I would generally prefer barbecue sauce for my fries or malt vinegar. Um, you know, throw on a cheesesteak, obviously being from Philly, um, you know, I gotta mention them at some point, contractual obligation. Um, but you know, other than those two things, I don't really use a bur- like occasionally on a burger, um, but generally if the burger has been well prepared, you shouldn't really need ketchup. But um, yeah, it's not something I use very often myself. I'm not opposed to it, but I don't use it as much as the average person probably. There you go. That that's from a cook, so you know, award-winning cook here. Um, me personally, um, first I'll give my credentials as a cook. Uh, just the other day, I put some, a couple chicken breasts in the crock pot with a uh, with a you know spice mix that I got out of a packet, and uh, when I got home after work, tore that apart. And made some tacos. So you could say I'm a pretty solid cook. I think tonight is going to be frozen pizza. So that'll be great. 
So I, what I'm trying to say is I have no idea what I'm doing in the kitchen. However, I do know that I don't like tomatoes at all. I hate tomatoes. Um, that being said, back in the day when I was much younger, when I was a child, I put ketchup on everything. Um, too much. Like it was on sand, all my sandwiches. Back in the day, young Austin would have told you, turkey sandwich, absolutely throw some ketchup on that bad boy. Uh, French fries, burgers, hot dogs, whatever. And a ton of other things I'm sure that ketchup shouldn't be on. And I think I just got to the point where I burnt myself out on it. I can't eat ketchup much anymore. The only thing I will have ketchup on nowadays is a burger. And I like ketchup on my burgers because I, I think that's the one place where its flavor can actually, like supplement the uh, dish um, but I don't dip my fries in ketchup I don't I th I am in the camp that says ketchup ought not to be on a hot dog um, I don't call it a sin or anything like that but I don't think that your ketchup is actually helping your hot dog so yeah for me I'm not a ketchup fan sorry Josh yeah, and I want to stress that I mean the I am into cooking and I feel like I know a good bit about it. I try not to be a snob and like there are definitely days where I'm having frozen pizza for dinner, if not just opening the freezer and grabbing a pint of ice cream and calling it good. Like, <laughs> you know, and my favorite places tend not to be the expensive, you know, joints when I go out to eat. Like I like the holes in the wall, like the, the local places that you don't really necessarily hear that much about. Like that's, I think, often where you can find the find the best food, and you don't have to break break the bank to do it. And you can do a lot of simple things at home. Um, like you were talking about crockpot. I mean, I have some reservations about crockpots. I won't get into. But you can generally do stuff better with with ovens or pressure cookers or you know other kitchen implements than you can with a crockpot. But I understand the appeal. I used to own one, and there's nothing better than throwing a bunch of stuff in there, turning it on in the morning before you go to work, and then you come home and dinner's there. Yeah, like the convenience of it, you can't beat, and there are definitely some applications where using a crock pot is totally fine, and that's one of them. Is you know braising meat for taco, you know a chicken for tacos is totally totally okay. See, I know that uh, you cl you clarified on Twitter. I incorrectly called you a chef, um, which I guess my issue there was I didn't know prior to you uh, noting that you don't have any you know professional training. I don't think I knew the difference between chef and cook prior to that moment right then. Um, <laughs> but, you know, mad respect for you, just just simply for knowing your way around the kitchen. I, I give mad respect to anyone who can cook. I have a friend, she can look at a bunch of different, different ingredients and put together something and it will be amazing. Like, I've never seen her use a recipe. Um, she and I went on a uh, went on a trip and with a bunch of our friends, and she made dinner every night, um, and everything was amazing. It's I, I'm I'm just amazed at people who can do that because I again I I know what I like to eat, but I have no idea how to get to the point of okay. Well, I need this spice and this spice, and if I put too much of it in, I'm gonna mess it up. So how do I? Hmm. I can follow a recipe with the best of them, usually, but I can't like come up with my own stuff. So mad respect to you and anyone else who is capable of doing that. 
<laughs> that's uh, that's actually a pretty great segue into our next uh, our next question here. It is. So this one is uh, from Dan Berman. He wants to know what is a simple meal to make that will impress the ladies. Mm, yep, that's because that's what the chicks go wild for. Um, no, and it's it's like you said. Um, there's a lot of people who are impressed at anybody who can do anything in the kitchen. So the fact that you're making dinner and it's edible and good, you know, that I think it, on itself is going to impress people. Um, as far as a meal idea, I would stress you definitely want to keep you definitely want to keep it simple so you're on the right track here. Preferably, it's something you've made before. Um, you know, you're not flying blind um, and you're not stressing out because it's something you've never made before and you don't really know what you're doing. Um, as far as a specific meal, though, um, I would probably go with just a simple roast chicken. Um, the most complicated thing you'll have to do is butterfly it, which is basically just cutting the backbone out and flattening the chicken so it roasts evenly in the oven because um, what you have to be careful with is a uh, chicken like the breasts and the leg cook need to cook to different temperatures um and you you run the risk um of drying the breast out if you just keep the bird intact as it is and because uh, the you know the leg meat is going to need to cook up to a higher temperature it's going to require more time by the time it gets there your breast meat is going to be dry um so that's what uh, flattening the chicken out will help will help with that if you have time um, if you plan this meal out, like you can uh, dry brine the bird overnight, like just uh, lift the skin off of the uh, of the breast, rub some salt on the meat, and let that sit uncovered in your fridge overnight. Um, that'll uh, that that'll uh, result in your uh, your juiciest possible bird. But that's not that's not a strictly speaking necessary step. This the uh, butterflying will take care of a lot for you. Um, so just make that, and then you know maybe like a nice rice pilaf. Just uh, toast some rice up in the saucepan with a little bit of butter till it uh, turns a little bit brown, starts smell a bit nutty, you know, throw some uh, aromatics in there like garlic and shallots and whatnot, um, and then bring it up to a boil in some chicken stock, um, you know, let it cook and let that cook off like you would normally just boil a, you know, rice and water for 20 minutes or whatever, and then you've got, you know, chicken and rice, um, very simple but very tasty, um, there's a lot of, you know, butter involved. Um, really all you need to do with a good quality chicken is salt and pepper and a little bit of oil and then you know you can baste it with butter at the end you got nice crispy skin it looks pretty you know if you carve it up and then you got your rice peel off maybe you throw a salad together if you feel like it even just one of those bags from the grocery store will probably do you all right um you don't you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel here like it's the uh, the classics will work just fine all right <laughs> so I'm listening to all of this, and I'm like, huh. Because, honestly, again, I have no idea what I'm doing in the kitchen. I was completely unaware that you had to, what would you say, butterfly a chicken so that the the legs and the breasts both cook to the right temperature. I was unaware that was a thing. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I mean, you don't have to. You can just leave it intact and cook it as you normally would, but um, you are going to run into that issue with the uh, breast meat drying out a little bit more than you want. So that just flattening it out just kind of helps. And it's a really simple thing. You're literally just cutting the backbone out of the chicken and flattening it down. Huh. Well, then if you want to get fancy, you know, you can cut that, uh, chop that backbone up and throw it in the pan with some onion and celery and carrots and chicken stock and wine and then you have yourself a nice little gravy to go with the chicken if you want to do that shoot bang well now, I, now i'm hungry 
<laughs> um, Dan, uh, from my perspective, uh, which I'm sure you don't want in this case, I would go with a uh, again. I like Kyle said, you, you can't go wrong with the classics. Um, I would go with a lovely box of Kraft mac and cheese. Uh, <laughs> throw, throw that stuff in a pot. Um, make sure you boil. Get it enough so it boil. Uh, make sure that the macaroni is nice and soft before you dump in the cheese packet. Um, I know that's a mistake that I have made before. Um, otherwise, after that, you are all set, my friend. That's all you need. What more do you want? <laughs> Don't listen to me on anything that has to do with cooking. But yeah, I am hungry now, and that is about the end of our show. So I'm going to have to go find me some dinner, like I said. Might be a frozen pizza tonight. We'll see what I can find in the freezer. So, uh, Kyle, you got anything, any uh, final words you want for our listeners here? Um, no, I mean, just yeah, thanks to you for having me on. Thanks to everybody uh, for listening. The couple of people who sent in their questions, they were great. I uh, really enjoyed uh, answering those, so thank you for that. Yeah, this was a... This is a lovely set of questions. Really enjoyed these. And you know what? It's a baseball podcast, but we are here to get to know our writers. So I love it when we can talk about things outside of baseball that you guys are interested in. Because this is not your entire life. You have other things that you do. So, yeah, keep it up, guys. I love these questions that are you know a little, uh, little unusual, a little... Uh, off the beaten path so let's keep that up so if you've got nothing else what's your uh, twitter handle again so people can get on there uh my twitter is amoral panic amoral panic fantastic so so kyle uh follow over there and uh for my guest kyle bishop my i'm austin bristow the second and this has been on the list <laughs>